The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Let me tell you about who deserves a shot in the United States Heavyweight. Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, El Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler. You're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any reason. Wait a minute. El Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but thank goodness sakes, at 50 pounds. Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious about Hypnosis. Let's get thrown. Psychosis. Psychosis. Whatever. Whatever. He's a great wrestler. You know. Hello, and welcome to episode 262 of the WrestleCast. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my SmackDown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonet. Hey, friend. What's going on, friend? Not much, not much. I'm excited to hear if your Halloween plans came to fruition, or did you have to stay inside and look at scary movies all by your lonesome? Um, I chose to stay inside. I did not watching these scary movies i what did i do i didn't do anything interesting okay all right well it's boring i know like, it wasn't the plan but you know yeah there's always next year gave me some money so you know yeah, yeah that, is that is true that is true that is true so next up we have a special guest joining us tonight he is the newest member of the CSPN. You can find him on the newest podcast on the CSPN, Heel Heat. He is one of the co-hosts there, so please check those guys out. He is the Shaolin Shogun. What's going on, Sean? What's going on, Don? Thanks for having me on, man. Excited to be here. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being the newest member along uh, with Dwayne. You guys are co-hosting Heel Heat, so go ahead and tell the people... Uh, who haven't listened to Heel Heat but might have seen it on their feed, what they missed, and what you guys are trying to do going forward. Okay. I'm really excited to bring um, the fam, the Heel Heat podcast. Uh, what we want to do is we want to take a look back at our childhood memories of professional wrestling, look at you know old school shows, whether that be pay-per-views or television shows, um, put our kind of spin on it. As far as reviews goes, um, we'll be looking at career retrospectives of our favorite performers. Um, and one of the things that I really like that we're going to do as well is look at storylines from the past um, and other different um, things in the past. Not only tell the story, um, but also um, look at it from our own lens and I guess, you know, put ourselves in the booker chair and tell the fam how we would have booked it if we were in the WWE or WCW at the time. So I'm really looking forward to giving everybody a little piece of what um, we have um, for Hill Heat coming at you every week. Um, once we get going on the pilot episode, uh, we had uh, our great friend Benny Brown on who we met um, at WrestleMania weekend at WrestleMania 30. Um, and we reviewed that show. 
So for our first episode, we're actually going to take an in-depth look at the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. Um, we're going to review the match itself, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar in depth a little bit more. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, would we have ended the streak? And if so, um, it would Brock Lesnar have been our choice? Should have been Roman Reigns or should it have been someone else? Um, so I'm really looking um, forward to diving into the Undertaker streak on the first official episode of the Hill Heat podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing that. And please, again, subscribe, download and listen to Hill Heat on CSPN. Now, Sean, with you being a first-time guest, I have to get your origin story, man. So you kind of, I know some of your background, but let some of the people know some of your background, what you grew up watching, who were some of the first people that you were attracted to, and as you've you know grown up and gone through time, who are some of your current favorite performers? Okay. Um, so I'm a native of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, been here uh, 30 years of the 35 years of my life. Uh, so I'm right in the thick of NWA country. So I grew up on NWA, WCW, uh, 605 on Saturday nights, uh, nine o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, WCW pro and main event. Um, those were my shows. Um, I'm from Charlotte. So, I mean, I hate people. Everybody could probably assume Ric Flair is my favorite wrestler. Uh, that's that's who I gravitated to. Um, Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen, uh, watching them growing up, Sting, Magnum TA, uh, the Road Warriors, um, Ricky Dragon Steamboat. Um, there were some my, some of my favorite guys growing up. I did watch the WWF as well. Um, I really wasn't that big of a fan. Um, uh, I liked Shawn Michaels even back in the early moments. I felt like um, he was someone who would uh, kind of blow up in the future. So I would tune in to see him or I would definitely tune in to see the Macho Man. Uh, but like I said, I wasn't a big um, WWF fan. Around 92, 93, kind of tailed off of wrestling a little bit and start getting to other things. Uh, but when I was in the sixth grade, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Stacy Coleman, um, he came to class one day and he started raving about WrestleMania 12 and that Shawn Michaels was the new WWF champion. And I was like, Shawn Michaels, really? Um, and that was me getting back into wrestling. So um, I started watching again from that moment. And from 96 up until now, I haven't taken a break. I've been full in WCW, WWE, TNA, New Japan, Ring of Honor, all of it. I've been immersed in uh, this professional wrestling world. Um, I would say to this day, uh, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels are still uh, two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, but to answer your question about uh, current folks, um, I'm a real big Pete Dunn fan. Uh, have been for a while. Uh, so I was like, super excited um, when he got his start with the WWE and we started to see him more. Uh, Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole um, on the other channel. Uh, Pac has always been one of my favorite wrestlers. So um, I'm glad I'm back on television again. 
And I know I'm going to catch some heat, and, and that's cool. Uh, and I'll clean it up a little bit. Maybe she's not the best, the number one, uh, but I think she's pretty close to it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a real big Charlotte Flair um, fan. I'll go to war and, and battle anybody that hates on her any day of the week. Uh, that That's the queen. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Letting his cape fly for Charlotte Flair. <laughs> it was so funny because we had technical difficulties right when he got there. And we were waiting for you to say something. And I was like, oh, I think you chased down away with your poor choices. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Sean, for joining us here on the WrestleCast. Uh, like I said, thank you for uh, stepping up and joining the CSPN. And, uh, you know, please support Heal Heat as much as you guys support the WrestleCast. Interact with them and uh, share your commentary with color on their podcast. Uh-huh. Crown Jewel was uh, on Halloween, y'all. So I'll run through that really fast. Umberto Carrillo, he won a battle royal for a title match against AJ Styles later in the night. During this battle royal, R-Truth, he won the 24-7 title again after he was eliminated. Brock Lesnar, he made Cain Velasquez tap out to the Kamara. So Brock Lesnar gets his win back and he retains the WWE or excuse me, the, you know, yeah, the WWE title at this point. So, uh, Brock Lesnar, um, and Cain Velasquez had nothing like a wrestling match. They had a damn MMA fight inside of a wrestling ring. So that definitely left a lot to be desired. But after the match, of course, Brock is taking liberties with Kane. That's when Ray makes the save with the chair shot. Then Brock just mows him down with the F5. And um, he follows with chair shots on Kane. Then he gives Kane an F5 onto the chairs. But Ray recovers and he runs Brock off with some chair shots. So they're setting up some bigger plans for Brock and Ray Ray. Tag Team Turmoil World Cup match. The Viking Raiders and Good Brothers are the final two teams. The Good Brothers hit the Magic Killer on Eric. And the Good Brothers, they get to win. Cesaro and Mansoor is our next match. Mansoor heads up top. He hits the Moonsault and he gets the win over Cesaro. Strictly playing politics here in a feel-good moment for the people. They knew Cesaro would give the young man a good match, and he got the win over an established star, so good for him and his home country. Uh, one of the attractions of the other attractions of the night, Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. Fury lands a big right hand. Strowman split, spills out onto the floor, and Braun Strowman gets counted out. Well, after Brian gets back on his feet and gets back in the ring, he lays Tyson Fury out with a power slam after the match. Typical, you know, boxer, wrestler, celebrity interaction here. AJ Styles versus Umberto Carrito for the United States title. AJ Styles gets the win with a phenomenal forearm. Of course, after the match, there's a little beatdown, but... Uh, it didn't last too long this time. Natalia versus Lacey Evans, the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia. Natalia gets the sharpshooter applied, and Lacey Evans has to tap out. 
So they have a big moment as they both share a hug in the middle of the ring. Um, and they, I, I don't know who this lady was outside of the ring, but I guess she may have had something to do with the match being uh, put on in Saudi Arabia, but apparently she was some big deal. So it was a really good feel good moment and definitely something that WWE will use for their, um, you know, women's evolution stuff going forward. Then we have our big uh, 10 man tag team matches. Team Hogan com- comprised of Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Ali, and Chad Gable. They took on Team Flair comprised of Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, Ben Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Shinsuke Nakamura. After an RKO to Roman, Orton sets up for the concussion kick, but Ali and Ricochet attack him. Gable joins in, and Roman Reigns spears Randy Orton for the win. Uh, the first person I thought about, even though I know you weren't watching this, was Miss Didi Jonet. Like, mm-hmm. I know that she would approve of uh, ganging up on Randy Orton and him taking a loss. <laughs> what? It's what he deserves. <laughs> Uh, this match was kind of slow until about the middle, and then actually turned out to be a pretty good damn 10-man tag team match. So I can't complain about that. Now it's made up of the evening time. Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. A Universal Championship match. Falls count anywhere. Superkick sends The Fiend off of the stage into some uh, technical equipment. And of course, all the sparks start to fly. So, Miss Didi Jonay, when you think you have mm-hmm. killed a monster in a scary movie and he goes into electricity, what's the one thing you shouldn't do? How about uh, go check to see if he's still alive? Because yeah, check go- yeah. Seth goes to check on him. <laughs> <laughs> he gets blinded by an electrical malfunction. The fiend stands up behind him while he's trying to recover. <laughs> the fiend applies the mandible claw. He hits the sister, Abigail, and the fiend wins the universal title. Well, it was Halloween. It was Halloween. <laughs> now, my only question to Vince McMahon would be if I ever saw him is why could you do that at uh, Hell in a Cell? Ding dong. <laughs> probably didn't think of it until it was too late. And somebody was like, well, why don't you just... Oh. You did all of that. You killed Seth Rollins as a babyface. You kind of killed the fiend. You made it look like a joke when it was, you know, probably the most serious and most poor the thing that people were looking to the most on the show. And you killed Hell in a Cell in the process with that dumbass finish when you could have just done this. Could have had the fiend win. Could have even had the match stop. Then the fiend recovers, restart the match, lower the cage back down. Puts him in the man of the claw, gives him sister Abigail. Boom. Everybody goes home happy. But no. But uh, the booking situation of the Hell in a Cell was the least of their problems. Because as everybody has heard, they had problems, y'all, getting home. Mm. So um, there's all kinds of stories out here about what is what. But what happened was uh, some people left, some people didn't. A majority of the people didn't, and um, and because of that, they had to scramble to make sure that Fox got their SmackDown. So, what we learned from this situation is 
the WWE pays for Brock Lesnar to have a plane when they go to these foreign countries. So that's the reason why Brock Lesnar always wrestles first because they want to make sure the plane gets back so it doesn't cost them too much. So upon his plane, of course, is going to be Paul Heyman. And apparently, as soon as Brock, you know, wrestled, he's headed back to the airport. He gets on his plane. He's gone. Apparently, I could have told you that. <laughs> apparently, Ric Flair and Hogan, they also have private planes uh, set up for this occasion. So they were able to get to the airport and get out of the country before the issue started because they had their own private planes. So they got out of the country. Vince McMahon, of course, has his own plane that he goes across with, with his staff, with his, you know, right hand people in the staff. And so they left about an hour and a half into the show, maybe two hours into the show. And so Vince was able to get back home. No problem. But everybody else who had to take the regular charter that was supposed to meet up like after the show and we all travel in the big bus and go board the plane together. They could not come home on time. Uh, they did not get home until sometime around Saturday at like eight at night or something like that. So they uh, were not very happy, as you could best believe. Uh, the statement that WWE put out did not make things any better as they uh, praised the people who had arranged to have their own charters uh, take them out of the country. Whereas they kind of framed the rest of the talent as kind of being lazy and not taking the proper measurements to get back in time to work the SmackDown. Uh, so that was kind of the first scuttle. But then a couple of days later on Monday or, or Sunday, uh, there is a rumor that the Saudi prince was not paying his bills to the WWE. So Vince in retaliation cut the feed to the uh, crown jewel event. It started about 40 minutes, 50 minutes late in Saudi Arabia. And so then in turn, the, you know, Saudi Arabian prince just, you know, made a little power play and was like, Hey, okay. You want to mess with us? We'll mess with you. Uh, then, uh, Corey Graves on his new WWE podcast came out and said, Hey, you know what? That was really not the case. We weren't being held hostage. Nobody was in danger. Uh, you just had a couple of issues on the plane, which caused our pilots to time out. Uh, they could not, you know, get the plane up and going before the pilots needed to take a break. So due to the pilots taking a break, we all had to take a break and, (laughs) And, you know, he was like, no, we weren't in any danger. We, you know, got in a nice hotel and blah, 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 blah. We just, you know, we're inconvenienced by, you know. So, of course, Vince addresses the talent on Monday and, uh, you know, just chalks it up to, hey, you know, it's nothing more than just mechanical issues. And that's where we are kind of right now. That's kind of the latest. So, yeah. And then on top of that, they re-signed uh, the deal for about three more years or something <laughs> like that to keep going over there. So, you know, I don't know if a person was defaulting on that much money if we just be willy-nilly to sign up again and let's just take their word at it again. So maybe that last little rumor might be uh, about Vince uh, not getting paid might be more rumor and innuendo than fact. But uh Somewhere in the middle of all that lies what actually happened. And it's nothing but like 
WWE can't be transparent for anything. Like, and that's 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 the issue. Um, my, I'm really interested in what happens when the next Saudi trip comes up because there's um, all. Here's here's what out. Here's your answer. Everybody that's under contract that ain't named Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and isn't a woman. Well, Green and Barrett take their ass over there because anything other than that is a breach of contract. Mm. Everybody's like, oh, if I was a wrestler, if I was, I wouldn't go. Oh, yeah, sure. It's easy to say that when you ain't put your name on something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you, you know, don't comply, they're going to take you into litigation or add more, roll your contract over more so you can't go nowhere, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, so it ain't worth it. Just, you know, just grin and bear it. Do it. Then they won't go back until June, so that's enough time. Eight months. It's like eight months for them to kind of, you know, people forget it and the sting of it, you know, not hurt so much. But yeah, if you're in the contract, you're going. <laughs> that's the only answer. Yeah, and that's that's my curiosity because you know you had a lot of superstars come out say never again, never again. Um, I'm just curious to see how many people try to pull that card come June. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, the majority of those people will will, will be there. Mm-hmm. So that led us into one of the most anticipated viewing the Smackdown to ever be aired because we almost didn't have a show. They're literally talking about <laughs> like canceling the show because they didn't have enough production people to even put the damn thing on the air. So um, everybody uh, in WWE was scrambling and um, good old Triple H and I guess Bruce Pritchard helped a little bit. They came to the rescue and it missed Didi Jonay. I'm going to turn it over to you to tell us about Last week's edition of Friday Night Smackdown. I feel like you mean to call it NXT, but yeah, let's call it Smackdown. (laughs) Also, can we just talk about how piss poor your planning is? Like, you should anticipate piss poor travel when you're traveling from Saudi Arabia to fucking Buffalo, New York. It ain't like they were traveling from Saudi Arabia to London or Saudi Arabia <laughs> to Paris. Like, no, you're going like three continents over. Anything could have happened besides what may or may not have happened via Saudi Royals. Like, that was piss for planning on not the talent's fault, but the mm-hmm. bookers' fault for what cities they chose. But again, not my monkey is not my circus. Hey, if they oh. if they would have used my idea I gave them a month ago and made it all an all women's show, eh, they could have yeah. got stuck over there for three days. It wouldn't have mattered because they would have had something to go, and it wouldn't have been yeah. a scramble mode. But you know, logic and common sense. First of all, I will tell you what I have been told plenty of times: common sense ain't common. Right. There you go. So that just cuts straight through. Okay, so like we were talking about, although most people did not make it back. Certain people did. By that I mean Brock Lesnar. 
and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman introduces himself and praises Brock's victory at Crown Jewel. But Brock is mad. I don't know why. And they air the whole Brock versus Kane match. <laughs> it clearly wasn't that long. And then they talk about the attack from Ray. Paul says they have a problem. Oh, that's right. Like Paul says they have a problem, and Brock wants, wants Ray. So Vince said he couldn't do that because Ray is exclusive to Raw. Paul says that Brock will go to Raw Monday for Ray, and if anyone tries to stop him, what can they do to stop him? Paul says Brock quit SmackDown and will hunt Ray Mysterio. Why do you have to quit SmackDown to go beat somebody's ass at a different show? Thank you. That's, that's just... Brock Lesnar not wanting to work two days a week. That's because, that's because we just had the draft, and now everything is supposed to be set in concrete where you can't chip. You have to be traded over, or you have to, you listen, know, be I'm renewed. Not talking about, so, listen, so, I'm not like, talking about I need, I want to match with Rey Mysterio. That's not what he wants. He wants to beat Rey Mysterio up. Why does he have to be on the roster of Raw to go to Raw to beat him up? No, so okay. we're going like, to act like Rey Mysterio wasn't on SmackDown last week. Well, <laughs> after the trap, we gonna act like the very next segment, Shayna Baszler wasn't on SmackDown. <laughs> well, see, that was extenuating circumstances. <laughs> what I told you is, you, you, they need somebody who can hold the line and remember what the storyline was. Or else we wouldn't have shit. Like, never mind. I was, oof, I was about to flash back into the other Eric Rowan. Okay. <laughs> Okay, anyway, Triple H is backstage with HBK um, as we see Brock and Paul Lee. Paul told Brock to turn left, and straight ahead was um, Triple H and um, his best friend. So it seemed to me like Paul saw him and was like, let's cut this, let's go take that other fork. Make that left turn at Albuquerque. So next there is a women's match. Bailey versus Nikki Cross for the SmackDown women's title. Bailey cuts off the tornado DDT. Nikki traps her in the ring skirt. So that's our move, trapping people in the ring skirt. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. And then she beats her down. Sasha shows her off the rope. That sounds like a distraction. And a rose plant finishes it. I'm going to take a sip. Mm. Don't need to do it. Shayna Baszler. Arrives out of nowhere, takes out Sasha, lays out Bailey, the big NXT chance, and kind of like kicks Nikki out of the ring, but didn't actually hit her. Um, so this is all in the build to Survivor Series. Now, I'm saying, oh, go ahead. What they really got lucky on is earlier in the day during the um, Crown Jewel event on Thursday, they announced that NXT was going to be a part of Survivor mm-hmm. Series for the first time this year. So, it just by a stroke of genius, they were able to that they were able to get that in there, so this could make sense. So they could actually present this show the way that they did. Well, small miracles. <laughs> Sammy Zayn is interviewed and says it's a weird night and talks about the NXT influence tonight. He says NXT needs to watch what they do because it could end up badly tonight. Um, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee arrive, and Sammy kisses their asses and leaves. They follow him, and Sammy runs for his life. They chase him into the arena. Sammy begs off. Riddle hits the final flash, and the bro Derek Lee follows with a Lee's big ass follows with a moonsault. 
<laughs> NXT stands tall. I find it interesting that all these former NXT people are like, well, when I smack down now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter where I came from. I'm on the main <laughs> roster. <laughs> it was like, I would think for like somebody like a family to be like, fuck you, NXT. But they're like, mm mm. Go back to your yellow and black. Um, so then there's some footage of Nick Fury. Tyson. Tyson Fury. <laughs> I get there. I'll get there. And Braun Strowman from Crown Jewel. All as a preface to nothing that matters. Next is Miz TV. Due to travel issues, there is no scene tonight. But Miz will allegedly interview himself. He comments on the scene winning the Universal title at Crown Jewel. We see the footage. Um, since the fiend ain't here, Miz talks about NXT's inclusion tonight. He says he likes it. Uh, my favorite person on this earth, Masa Champa, arrives and says that this is yes. supposed to be must-see TV. He introduces himself and says he's the greatest sports entertainer of all time. Um, but Randy said, okay, Miz <laughs> thinks the entire world revolves around him, but he is everything wrong with Raw and SmackDown while breaking his neck for NXT as Miz plays the part. Champa is the part. Miz says he's had it all before and for over a decade, but then he puts Champa over. He says for 15 years, people told the Miz that he was just playing the part. So Champa wants to make a statement, make the damn statement. And Miz challenges him to a match. That starts, oh, I don't know, now. So they trade chops. Oh, Jesus, hold on. I'm having technical difficulties. Yes, you're still here. Oh, perfect. Okay, so... Oh, your technical difficulties improve your sound. Oh, I had to take out my headphones. (laughs) Okay. It makes me sad. They were cheap headphones, though. Anyway, they trade chops. Miz hits the corner clothesline and heads up top, but Champa cuts them all. There's a fairy tale ending by Champa, and Miz is a loser. So, um, your favorite showed up on mm-hmm. your show mm-hmm. I mean next to Elias coming out there in some form that was a perfect <laughs> night for you just about huh listen God, God loves me <laughs> alright um, Daniel Bryan meets with Triple H and HBK hyping up Survivor Series Triple H says it looks like someone was w- looking for a fight and Brian challenges him to a match tonight. Triple H claims, wait, he was trying to fight Triple H? Triple H says he doesn't have his gear, and Adam Cole, baby, arrives. And so they book um, HBK Jr. versus Daniel Bryan for the title tonight. Uh, what was funny was, uh, damn, Shawn Michaels taking off his jacket like he like he going to step up and then be like, oh, no, 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 dog, it's, it's, it's a little warm in here. It's clearly, I mean, you know, uh, this is for what sleep though, Miss V. She's always talking about how just Shawn Michaels was such an idol and an icon for all young ladies of a certain age now, back in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And now how as an older man, he just don't give a 
book how he comes out looking on TV. <laughs> no, he don't. <laughs> and so yeah. now that he's a coach at NXT, it's clear that all he wears is in them jumpsuits and tracksuits. <laughs> I think it is. I'm, I always tell people now, your mission in life when it comes to love is to find you someone who loves you like Shawn Michaels loves NXT. <laughs> man, every time you see this man, he's got on something NXT. Well, this week he just went full head to toe. Usually he'll just he'll wear the hat with his you know usual bad outfit, but this week he was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> he went he went straight old Q who got the whole fraternity tracksuit, <laughs> hat, socks, all that on. Yeah, man. Okay, Miss D, continue. Oh, yes. Um, the next match is Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox. Mella's music hits, but Bianca Belair is kicking the shit out of Mella and Dana backstage. <laughs> Knox and Ripley attack at the bell, run wild until Mandy fires back. Ripley hits the dropkick. Tegan dumps Sonya to the announce table. Um, accidentally hits dear Renee across the face, um, <laughs> hits the shiniest wizard, and an inverted cloverleaf finishes it. And that's that. I love Bianca Belair dropping their fifth word bees on people because she be looking like, yeah, mm-hmm, she's been in some scraps before. Hood, man, she was giving them hood rounds. Listen, that's, that's a track girl who went to college. She been in a, f- a few fights. Even mm-hmm. if it wasn't her fight, she jumped in a few fights. Like, mm-hmm. even if she wasn't the one who had the issue, she had a friend who had an issue, and she had her back. Like, she used to jump in into some stuff. No, I know, I know it in my spirit. I know she has had to handle a bitch for a bitch. I know she has. I believe it. I believe. I know it. she has. I feel bad for Carmella when she picked her up and tossed her over there. Shoof. I saw some clip because I didn't see this live. I saw some clip of Carmella in the back. I guess after. She got done with her and was on to Dana. She just sat there and had her head she in her hand. Yeah, she did. She, I saw that live. I was like, yo, you just looking like you sitting there. Can you sell a little bit? It just, it just looked at me like, this is some bullshit. Like, Ow. This is why they put you with truth. Because <laughs> you can't even sell the beat down. Come on. Uh, Dana Brooke uh, was getting her ass whooped, though. God. That would be yes. a good ass just singles match though, strength because you know Dana Brooks pretty strong and pretty yes, athletic, yes. so that would be a good matchup. Just booking out something just just because those two they put that like live action and then Carmella was the spot, you know. That that uh, that press slam that Bianca does is just it, it never right. gets old. The very first time I saw it, she did the Candlestick LeRae and threw her out the ring. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, I'll I, I wait for it. It's like, I, oh, she didn't do it. Damn. It's actually replaced the hair whip as the most important thing I want to see mm-hmm. in her match. <laughs> Somebody catching the hair whip, though, in War Games. <laughs> oh, you know that. You know that. Going to be amazing. Stephanie arrives and puts over Lacey versus Natalia at Crown Jewel. We get the video package. I'm assuming it doesn't include the part where somebody threw a, pl- a plastic bottle at Natalia. Fuck that person. Oh, some people don't like nice things. Anyway, uh, the match that matters Adam Cole, 
Bebe versus Daniel Bryan for the NXT Championship. Tremendous uppercuts by Daniel Bryan. The world talking about SmackDown. Yes! Bryan on the move and a pump kick and Cole dropping Bryan. I remember that injured right arm of Cole. Here's the cover and a kick out. You could see how Daniel Bryan tried to isolate the right arm of Adam Cole. There is a fracture in the wrist of Adam Cole. He's been competing with it for a number of weeks. He's a workhorse. Broken wrist, no big deal. Let me get in there and battle against some of the best in the world. Sometimes that's not always the smartest move, Pat. we got Survivor Series just around the corner. Great job here blocking the suplex attempt. And now Bryan. Oh, my God. Both superstars on the outside. NXT title on the line. Cole kick right to the shoulder. Oh, and Cole hard to the outside. Oh, he hit hard. Oh, no. Tailbone to the apron. Time for Daniel Bryan to capitalize. Daniel with the knee right to the face. Oh, and set to the outside right in front of Michaels and Triple H. Oh, here it goes. Daniel Bryan launching himself at Cole. Brian's not done. Here comes round two. Oh, holding a kick. NXT title on the line. Look up in the sky, Adam. Brian went for the headbutt and Cole evaded. And now Cole trying to stay on top of Daniel Bryan. Oh, knee right to the back of the neck. Put this to it for Cole. Bryan kicks out. Daniel went for the kick, trying to seal it. Adam Cole, great counter. Go for a cover. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now turn it around, cover on Cole. Oh, it popped out at two and a half. Got him with the kick. Can Daniel Bryan do it? You can hear that kick all the way at New Era Stadium where the Bills play. The yes movement alive and well. Oh, super kick. Shawn Michaels loving it in right side. I got shot up out of his seat. Going up to the top. Adam Cole. Panama oh. Sunrise. Panama Sunrise. Third shot. How did we feel about the match? Was it all that you wanted it to be? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I just had to get y'all's opinion because the description kind of underplays how amazing it was. So I wanted to get y'all's reaction because I saw it, but my memory is shit. So I can't watch it back. You didn't watch the replay yet, have you? (laughs) I watched it live and then watched it a second time the next day. I absolutely love the match. Um, you know, and then, you know, after the match, Triple H uh, cut his promo. Um, but one thing I wanted to point out uh, about um, what happened after the match and then even earlier on when uh, Rhea and Tegan came out, I you can tell who who's learning tree 
NXT folks are under. Um, I think a lot of times what doesn't happen on Raw and SmackDown is that performers don't remember the little things. And I don't know if you all remember, but the entire time that Triple H was cutting his promo, Tommaso Ciampa was staring at Adam Cole the whole time. (laughs) And when Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox came out, you know, Rhea did her, you know, entrance, what she does. Tegan did her little thing. And then she just gave a slight look of, you know, kind of being unsure, you know, at uh, Rhea. If you remember, Tegan got injured in May Young Classic against Rhea. And they haven't had really any interaction with each other since Tegan has come back. So I just appreciated those two little moments that you don't often see week to week on Raw and SmackDown. Mm -hmm. We're all about remembering the storyline from yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's it's helpful. But like we were talking about post-match team NXT takes to the ring. Triple H says, if you want to pick a fight with them at Survivor Series, you got it. He has an army, blood and family, and they are ready for a fight. This is their war, their fight, their reign. They have fired the first shot, so Raw and SmackDown, what do you have? We are NXT, even though this was SmackDown. Yeah, this turned out to be NXT on the box. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. From lemons to lemonade, made Mm -hmm. by Triple H. There you go. (laughs) Um... I'll tell you who were the two smartest dudes during this whole promo. Leo Rush and Swerve. Oh, yeah. Because when Triple H moved, they moved. They, they stood moved. right beside him and they moved everywhere he moved. So the, the camera had to get in real tight not to get them in the shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> it's like, y'all gonna see me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna be out here on the fringes where they do the wide shot. You'd be like, "Oh, that's Dakota Kai back there." Nuh-uh. <laughs> that was like, see my black self. Yeah, we were right here in the front, homie. Um, Miss Didi Jonay, mm. the reaction to this episode was off the charts. People were calling this the best SmackDown ever. Uh, <laughs> they almost had three million viewers. Uh, the main event was being being called the best match maybe ever on SmackDown. Mm. Uh, just the superlatives supreme for this episode of SmackDown. Well, you're welcome. That's what the blue brand does. Yeah, it was a, an amazing uh, display of uh, what can happen if Triple H is the one left in charge, or at least you know ninety yeah. percent of it. Is up in charge to him. It was, you know, what it was. It was pro wrestling, and it's been a yes. long time since you've seen pro wrestling on Raw or SmackDown. Yes, totally agree. I was impressed. I don't know how many people um, heard the story, but Triple H was on Corey Gray's podcast, and they literally said that they uh, their plane landed about five minutes before the show started. And they had to get a police escort to the building. So literally, they're just getting there. That's why uh, uh, Heyman started the show with that promo. Yeah. And then, like, Triple H said that 
when Sean got there, it's literally, hey, come over here, get in this shot real quick. And that's the first time you saw Sean. Like, so from go, you know, those NXT superstars were putting the position and man, they shine. They made it happen. And it was a really, really great show. Yeah. So I guess we can give some more credit to old Bruce Pritchard then. Because mm-hmm. he had to be the one to, to to get all this stuff logistically set up, and then you know, yeah. get that loose framework going. So, yeah. him and Triple H, man, they did it. That was awesome. So here we go. We got the follow up show. Everybody's like, <laughs> "Oh man, curiosity is peak." SmackDown is off the chain. So Monday Night Raw, what you got? Well, it was from Long Island, and we should have known that this was gonna be along with the crowd dead on arrival. <laughs> NXT and the Triple H, they all come out or they arrive in SUVs. We get Paul and Brock. They're out here. They're on Raw. Paul introduces himself and he hypes up Brock as the ultimate champion in WWE. Brock has had enough of SmackDown. He's quit and he is here to hunt down Rey Mysterio. Raw traded Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to SmackDown for future considerations. And that future consideration has turned into Brock Lesnar, and he is now on Raw. Paul says he can do anything he wants because WWE has too much invested in him. All facts. Brock is better than each and every one of you, better than each and every one of those bitches in the back. So where is Ray? Does Brock have to hop the rail and slap every man in this audience? There's no one bad enough to slap him back, including Ray, who couldn't even defend his punk kid. Someone will stooge off Ray, and Brock will commit a felony against him or turn this building inside out. He says tonight will be the funeral of Ray Mysterio. He throws some Spanish in there, too. Paul's just amazing. <laughs> They head backstage and Brock, he just starts assaulting random people. He, this dude out here trying to get him little snacks off a little table. He roughs him up, bounces his head off of a perfectly good uh, bag of uh, tangerines, throws over all the snacks. So even once he recovered from getting his ass beat, he couldn't even enjoy any of the snacks on the table. So they're going through the back just looking for Ray. Uh, we see a car. In the in the back, Brock heads over to the car. He yanks the door open, pulls some dude out. The dude's like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. So Brock does damage to the car door just because the dude wasn't ready. Uh, they get some more hype up from the Lacey Evans and Italian match from Crown Jewel. And then we have our first matchup, the Kabuki Warriors versus Charlotte and Natalia in a non-title match. The sharpshooter is countered into an arm bar by Asuka, but Natalia counters back into the sharpshooter. Kari Sane cuts that off with the Codebreaker. We get a spear by Charlotte, and Natalia gets the sharpshooter again, and Asuka is forced to tap out. So, of course, this is going to lead up to, eventually, a tag team match between the Kabuki Warriors and Charlotte and Natty for the titles. I still need some backstory, though, why Charlotte and Natalia are a tag team. This shit is still out of the blue. I need something. Yeah, I need some backstage. I need a skit. I need something. Uh, Paul and Brock, they're looking for Ray. They come to the announce table and they begin to threaten Jerry the King Lawler. Where's Ray Mysterio? Who the hell are you anyway? Where's Ray Mysterio? 
<laughs> you. It's the king. You know everything. Tell me, Jerry Lawler. Where's Rey Mysterio? Tell me, or I'm going to unleash the beast on you. And if I unleash Brock Lesnar on you, no one will resuscitate you when you die on the air again. Where is Ray Mysterio? I don't. stuff right here man uh ray cuts promo and he says that he will fight fire with fire and he is coming after that wwe championship at survivor series so miss dd Janet, you're gonna have one of your least favorites brock lesnar against one of your used to be favorites most favorites ray mysterio is this, are we going to see Dominic do some heroic shit here? Is this what they're building up to? Even if he does something, I would be willing to bet money it won't be interesting. <laughs> Dominic going to have to come out here and save his daddy. I just don't think he has the range. Okay. From who? Okay. I mean, but maybe there's some, maybe I don't know about Dominic. Maybe he's a baby luchador in the making. I don't know. Yeah. Would it be a luchadorita? No. <laughs> That's not what it would be. Well, who he saving Ray from? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar just beat Cain Velasco in like 12 seconds. What little Dominic gonna do? I, I, mean, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that if you're following the story and the way things yeah. are happening, you know, they're setting this up for Dominic to come through as the shining hero. 
<laughs> okay. So nobody's on board with that. Okay. I don't know. Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander. Let's see how y'all feel about this. Alexander hits a slingshot flatliner for a two count. The springboard is cut off, but Alexander cradles him for two. The Michinoku driver by Cedric also gets a two. Cedric follows with kicks, but Buddy Murphy cuts him off, and Buddy Murphy hits Murphy's Law, and he gets the win. These guys are wrestling each other a lot this year um, through 205 Live, uh, through uh, Raw and SmackDown, uh, pay-per-views. So I hopefully this is the last time that they tangle for quite a while. I, I don't want to see Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, Ali, Chad Gable, Umberto Carrillo kind of like just wrestle each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not really too thrilled about that. I like for them to kind of get into the upper echelon, or at least maybe form a tag team and get into that mix where they can be some major players. Because those guys can go. They just got to find a spot for them. I totally agree. We get some highlights uh, from last Friday of NXT invading SmackDown on Fox. Now it's time for the former Universal Champion to talk, Seth Rollins. He's going to talk about what's next for him. He says it's been a rough couple of months, and he's not stupid. He knows plenty of people are thrilled that he lost to The Fiend, but he doesn't give a damn. He's concerned that The Fiend took the title to SmackDown, and now Brock is back on Raw with the Universal title. He says um, all of the work he did to give people opportunities is now gone. He doesn't know if he has the energy to keep on going. He just doesn't know what's next. That's when Triple H music hits. He comes down to the ring. He says that history repeats itself because their paths cross when Seth doesn't know what's next. Maybe Seth's future is his past. When they first united, Seth became NXT champion. And then the Shield was born. And then they united again and Seth became WWE champion. Seth says those things were for Triple H's benefit. And Triple H says Seth walked away as a champion each time. Triple H knows what's next, and he talks about what happened on SmackDown. Seth says the roster was stuck overseas, but Triple H says it was smart, and Adam Cole, Bebe, beat Daniel Bryan and made a statement that they were for real. NXT is on fire, so what is next? Triple H wants to know what Seth is going to do. Survivor Series is tri-branded this year, and they have something to prove, but Triple H knows how to make Seth great again. He asked, are you with him or against him? And that's when the Undisputed Era arrived. And then the OC arrived. The Undisputed Era, they powdered to the outside. And then Donovan Dijakovic arrived and attacks the OC as well with Damian Priest. So NXT begins to run wild until some of the guys from the WWE locker room run out and chase NXT off. Seth did nothing and no one attacked him. <laughs> so, little seeds here being planted. Uh, so, we come back from commercial. We're in the back. Seth meets with Triple H and says, if he's coming to NXT, he's coming as a top guy and he wants Adam Cole in an NXT title match tonight. Triple H says, a welcome back and the challenge is accepted. Next up, Sin Cara and Carolina 
they faced off against Andrade and Zelina Vega in a mixed tag match. Vega rakes Carolina's eyes, hits an enziguri, and then gets cut off with a wheelbarrow slam as Andrade makes the save. Sin Cara dumps Andrade, Andrade and Carolina hits a gory bomb as Sin Cara hits a dive. Carolina catches the Hurricane Rana, but Zelina Vega sends Carolina into the ropes and then she hits a spike Rana and Zelina Vega picks up the pinfall and the win for her and Andrade. I like Zelina Vega when she wrestles. She doesn't do it often enough, but when she gets in there, she just reminds me that, yeah, Zelina can go. She's small, but man, she can go. She can. I'm looking forward to them utilizing her more in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel about Carolina? Uh, second week here on Monday Night Raw is kind of the uh, equalizer for Sin Cara here. Good for the storyline. Um, I'm wondering if she's around after they go their separate ways. What's the future um, with that? So just curious on what the plan would be after this. All right. We get some highlights of the Lana Rusev Lashley saga. Rusev comes out. He says that tonight is the night to end all of this stupid drama. He's not here to talk about his soon-to-be ex-wife, Lana. He says Bob Lashley, he can have Lana, but Lashley's ass is his. Lashley arrives on crutches with Lana. Misty Dijonet? Mm-hmm. You've heard it hit him up, right? Tupac, mm-hmm. Biggie. You know, yes. the, the very first line is just so disrespectful. <laughs> but this yeah. might be the most equally disrespectful thing I've ever heard, too, because Bobby Lashley claims that he's not medically cleared because he tore his growing. <laughs> Doing things in bed with Lana. Gross. <laughs> Lana says that their life is filled with love and sex and says that someone has volunteered to step up in Lashley's place to fight Rusev. Random. So Drew McIntyre looks like he's the person they call on the weekends to spice it up because now he's going to come in here and face Rusev for them. They trade strikes. We get a Mosca kick by Rusev and Drew spills to the floor. Rusev follows and slams Drew into the barricade and Lashley attacks Rusev for the disqualification. Rusev fights off Lashley until Randy Orton flies in with an RKO out of nowhere. They beat down Rusev and then Ricochet makes the save. He dumps Lashley and then Orton before drop kicking Lashley into Lana. So, Ms. Dijonet, um, <laughs> this is the soap opera part of our wrestling. How mm. would you say that the story is progressing? Slowly and stupidly. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. Because, you know, if 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 it's a cuckold situation, if it's a Brazzers kind of deal, cool. Why does Drew McIntyre care? Like, what does he have to do with anything? I told you, he's the person they call on the weekends when they want to spice it up. First of all, if I could call Drew McIntyre, I would just call Drew McIntyre. Why would I call Bobby? That don't make sense. Like, if I just have Drew, I'm going to just go get Drew. Like, 
Well, I, I don't know. Ashy Bobby Lashley. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's going to be the new hashtag whenever we talk about Lashley. From <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> Uh, Letitia yeah. Chanel actually picked up on, I think she called him Matt Lashley or Matt Black or some shit. She used the hashtag yes. describing him. Uh, I saw in a live tweet. So, yes, it's catching on that, um, you know, Bobby Lashley is uh, lacking the moisture. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Black is a, it, it's just dry. <laughs> it has no sheen to it. Mm-hmm. And what was that outfit he had on? I knew he didn't really need crutches. Because why would you be wearing that with your damn crutches? Like, you look so silly. <laughs> That's how you know Lana really don't like him. Because you wouldn't let your man come out the house looking like that. We get an interview with Becky Lynch next. It's a sit-down interview. It's going to be Becky Lynch versus Bailey versus Shayna Baszler at Survivor Series. Becky knows that she's the target. And that's when Shayna arrives into the interview. Shayna says that she's been waiting for this because everyone always talks about Becky Lynch. She knows that Becky Lynch beat Rhonda, and while she trained with Rhonda, she isn't the same person. Shayna says that she will pin or submit Becky Lynch at Survivor Series, and Lynch will now have to wonder which one of her limbs will belong to Shayna. Becky isn't sure if she respects Shayna or wants to slap her. Becky says warring with her will change Shayna, and while she won't take her eyes off Bailey, she's coming directly for Shayna. This was really good. Really good face-off. It was. It was. Um, Some of the better interaction that Becky has had in a while. Um, I'm really excited about that triple threat match. Um, as far as the card that's been out there yet, and it's only about three matches that have been um, announced for Survivor Series, that, that triple threat really intrigues me. I wonder who they put over in that. Well, I know who might be taking the pin, and that's the person that uh, yeah. is in the middle right there that ain't nobody really talking about. Yeah. I'm afraid I agree on it. And that's unfortunate because she got the yeah. new the new character. She's trying to build something with that. And it's unfortunate because I believe that Bailey is going to be the one that makes that match good. Oh yeah. Because okay. out of all three of those women, who I'm a fan of, I trust Bailey the most when it comes to delivering good matches. Well, here's a good match. The OC. They teamed up to face off against the Street Profits and Umberto Carrillo. The standing moonsault gets a two count. The disaster kick follows and Carrillo goes up top and the moonsault connects for a two count. It breaks down and Montez Ford hits a huge tope con Hilo and then Carrillo counters AJ Styles Styles Clash. AJ hits the powerbomb and he pins Umberto with his feet on the ropes. So AJ Styles doing the classic heel tactics to get the win over the upstart babyface team. I put this out during Crown Jewel when he lost to AJ Styles and I still feel this way now. Umberto Carrillo can do some really cool things. 
Yes. Uh, Lee can do some really cool things. Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, these guys can go. But how do you ever expect us to get behind them if every time they have a big match, they, they lose? lose. Mm. <clears throat> this is the same way that they, this is the same path that they put Bray Wyatt down. You know, it was hard to get behind Bray um, before he transitioned to the Fiend because he would always get into big match situations and lose. Yeah. It's not believable. So um, these guys that you named, they have to start winning matches to take that next step. Right, right. We get an Adam Cole baby video package. It is official. Brock and Ray for the WWE title at Survivor Series. It's also announced that the Viking Raiders will face off against the Undisputed Era as well as the Revival in a triple threat at Survivor Series. So the Viking Raiders, they come out for their weekly squash match. They run through the East Hampton Polo Boys. Uh, They get a very impressive win. Then they get on the mic. The champions comment on their loss to the Good Brothers at Crown Jewel, and they promise it was only one battle in the war. Main event of the evening time as Adam Cole was defending his NXT title against Seth Rollins. Cole counters the Falcon Arrow into the OG last shot and covers for a two count. Cole follows with the running boot for another two count. Cole drops the knee pad and Seth counters the last shot into a cradle for two. They work into a double down. Cole fights to his feet, heads up top, and Seth joins him in the superplex until the Falcon Arrow follows for a two count. Seth is setting up for blackout, and that's when the Undisputed Era hit the ring and they attack Seth. They beat down Rollins, but the OC comes down and they make the save, and then we get a whole ton of bodies hit the ring for one big-ass brawl. NXT takes control, and that's when Ricochet hits a huge shooting star press onto the pile of people on the floor. And then Keith Lee said, hold my beer. Because our lasting image is seeing Keith Lee with a Topacon hero onto the pile as the show ends. Which was crazy. Right. Then, if you watch YouTube, they show Ricochet like recover and hit some even, it was, it was like a, a variation of a Fosbury flop. It was ridiculous for whatever he calls this thing that he hit. So, yeah, they were letting Ricochet and Keith Lee kind of show out here to end the show. Keith Lee, man, anything he does that involves him leaving his feet is ultra impressive. He is so big. So, Miss Didi Jonay, mm-hmm. your rating for this week's Monday Night Raw, what would you like mm-hmm. to give it as scale of one to five? I will give it a 4.3 just off the strength of Keith Lee. And that move he he made. Okay, okay. Because that is how you end a Raw. Sean, your rating of Monday Night Raw, 1 to 5. I would say a 4. Okay. It was a decent follow-up to a great SmackDown show. Now, this is how poor crowd reception can affect the show. Because I didn't think this show was anywhere near a 4. I thought this show was kind of like a 2.5. I thought there was some good stuff on it. There's a couple of things here, a couple of things there. But for the most part, it seemed dry. And it seemed a little not as, I guess, 
SmackDown was so organic that everything felt like that when you were watching it. And this right here seemed like it was more static to me. I, I just did not feel like it was a standout episode of Raw. And, and the crowd had a lot to do with it, too, because, man, they, they weren't loud for anything. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I guess it kind of goes back to um, the comments you made um, when we first started reviewing Raw. Um, I didn't come into this Raw um, expecting much from this crowd, so I kind of blocked that out and, you know, my overall opinion of the show. Um, But I definitely um, can see your point um, in the crowd taken away from the actual uh, episode itself. I guess it's just being spoiled with watching AEW and watching a crowd that's more like yeah. an old school crowd where it's like they're even if it's a lull in the match, they're still into it where they're making noise or they're, you know, they they're getting they're, they're getting ready to get behind somebody to try to get them to make a comeback. Whereas Raw, it's just like, okay, the show's here and we're just watching it. Mm-hmm. And you don't get those really good crowds a lot of times, but uh, yeah, Long Island definitely did not show up with that. So that was so, okay. I will say one of the things why I rated it a four because a lot of times um, in the past with these three hour raws, they could hit like a spell of a good hour where there'd be just you know, flat segment after flat match after flat segment. You know what I mean? Um, I thought this card was more balanced. Um, When something did kind of dip up, they kind of followed up with something else. So, for example, um, wasn't too keen with the whole Rusev McIntyre, Bobby Lashley thing. Um, but then we pick back up with the promo and the AJ Styles OC Street Profits match. So um, that's more so why um, I kind of up mine to a four. Um, but like I said, I definitely see your point as well. So before we get into NXT, just want everybody to head over to patreon.com forward slash CSPN media and listen to our special guest on tonight's episode the Shaolin Shogun, Sean, as he was our guest on the dark match. He gave us a, a review of Dynamite. He was there live in the building from Charlotte, their go-home show. So he got to hear that great Cody promo live and in person. So head over to the dark match, become a patron, support the CSPN, and listen to Sean's thoughts on AEW, uh, what the crowd was like, the dark matches, and just the overall feeling of what it was like being in the building. And we also preview Full Gear that will be taking place this Saturday. Uh, I guess we'll use the hashtag All Elite Cast for the live tweet on this Saturday night if you guys are going to be watching uh, Full Gear. So please use All Elite Cast to share your commentary with color. But now it's time to talk about the brand that has made the most noise in the past week. That is NXT. I knew something big was going on at the start of this show because I my routine is I watch Dynamite and then I watch NXT immediately following. But I could tell by the lack of traffic in the first like six or seven minutes in the Dynamite live tweet that, oh, they got something big going on uh, on NXT. And what that was, was before the show, the OC, they're in Orlando and they've attacked the Undisputed Era in the parking lot. 
Uh, poor Bobby Fish. He had to get some dental work as one of his teeth got knocked out. Oh. Uh, they kick off the show after the big beatdown. Uh, and AJ Styles says that they're taking over NXT. And that's not phenomenal. It's undisputed. He asks, who the hell is going to stop them? Because all their champions just got stretched out. Tommaso Ciampa arrives. And he says he's often asked about when he's going to go to the main roster. And then he welcomes the OC to the main roster and says, this is the show. He says, it's daddy's home. And he says, he's fine with them beating up the Undisputed Era. But if they want to take over NXT, they're going to have to deal with him. AJ says, the three of them aren't scared of one of him. But they do respect him for being the only person with the balls to come out to say anything. Ciampa is joined on the stage by Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. Chopper says the three of them are getting prepared for Undisputed Era at War Games, but they want to go to war with the OC tonight in a match. AJ gets a little consultation from the boys, and they agree. So what y'all think about that opening uh, segment there? Uh, the OC coming through with the beatdown in the parking lot, the Undisputed Era leaving them land, and then uh, coming into the ring and then, you know, stirring up... Uh, Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. Thought it was a great way to um, begin the show. Um, this was the reason why I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Um, got home from Dynamite and just wanted to peek at NXT. And the first thing I saw was AJ Styles, and I was up for the whole show. Um, great way to start the show. Um, with OC laying out Undisputed Era and starting off with that promo. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought I thought it was a great booking on their part. Mr. Pete Dunn is facing off against Damian Priest in our opening match. Damian Priest looks for the reckoning. Dunn blocks the low blow, but hits one of his own. The armbar with the finger snap by Pete Dunn follows, and Pete Dunn gets the win and gets his win back versus Damian Priest. So they're one to one in their series. After the match, Killian Dane arrives. He dumps uh, Damian Priest to the outside so that he can destroy Pete Dunn. But then Damian Priest gets back in, and him and Killian Dane begin to brawl. Uh, eventually, Killian Dane is the one that's left standing tall. Pete Dunn and Damian Priest have really good chemistry for some odd reason, and these matches have been really good. And I did not expect that when I first saw. Uh, you know, they were going to set up this kind of uh, these uh, series of matches here. I was like, Pete Dunn and Damian Priest. That doesn't even make sense. But uh, now that I've seen a couple of matches, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, I'm ready for a rubber match. So I went to NXT, had a house show uh, in Concord on my birthday in July. And to my surprise, uh, Pete Dunn was there and he faced Damian Priest uh, at that house show. And it was, I had that same feeling. I was like, wow, this doesn't seem right. And you know, it was the best match on the card um, that night. Um, and like I said, that was back in July. Um, so I was really excited that that's something that they picked up um, once NXT uh, came to USA. Um, like you said, they have great chemistry together. Um, I'm glad that they're continuing this. Pete Dunn got his win back, so we should see them down the line square off again. Um, looking forward to uh, another great match between the two. 
It is announced that Rhea Ripley has picked Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae for War Games, while Shayna Baszler has picked Bianca Belair and Io Shirai, and they still have two, one more spot on each team that is open. So we get a promo with Dakota Kai, who says that she came back from her injury with more fire. She'll prove why she deserves to be in the War Games match when she faces Shayna tonight, and we'll see what Shayna says after Dakota kicks her face off. Oh, it's been a long time coming, folks, but it finally happened again. Santana Garrett, she's back at NXT. This time for real, not just to be participate in the May Young Classic. As he's gonna face off against Tanara. The handspring moonsault by Santana Garrett misses, and the POK follows as Tanara gets the win. Now, if you're familiar with NXT. Everybody who comes into NXT with some type of name recognition always does a job in their first match. Mm-hmm. So don't get alarmed. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do. Hopefully they bring Deanna Perazzo up too and they get their little tag team thing going on and they start you know, making some overtures into trying to get a tag team women's title match. Uh, you know, Maybe by Royal Rumble or something to give them enough time to build those two ladies up. But I'm super excited for Santana Garrett. She was one of the ones that got away from Triple H along with Tessa Blanchard, but he finally got her back. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, somehow they're going to get Tessa Blanchard back too, unless they Cody can to. scoop her up first. God, they have to. Yeah, it's just there is a Tessa Blanchard Charlotte Flair tag team match that That's leads into crazy. a Charlotte Flair versus Tell- Tessa Blanchard singles match. Just waiting for somebody to scoop that up and present it. We get video packages setting up tonight's Angel Garcia, excuse me, Angel Garza versus Tony Nese's number one contenders match for the Cruiserweight title. But now it's time for Shayna Baszler versus Dakota Kai. Baszler hits Dakota with a knee strike for a two count. The clutch follows and Dakota escapes. Dakota hits a kick and then gets caught in the clutch and she has to tap out. After the match, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shavir, they arrive, and of course, they all jump Dakota Kai. That's when Team Ripley arrives, but Io Shirai and Bianca Belair also arrive, and so we have another big melee going on. In the midst of the melee, Mia Yim runs out with a kendo stick doing her best Sandman impression. She yeah. attacks Team Shayna, sending everyone packing. Mia stands with the rest of Team Ripley in the middle of the ring. Uh, this was a really cool spot for Mia. It's been a while since we've seen her, um, but it, it's playing off a of light. But we saw the last time with her, with her, you know, just showing reckless abandon and attacking uh, Shayna Baszler and her crew. So uh, I thought that they kind of played off of the last few months of Mia Yim actually being on TV well and, and how they uh, sprung her up as a surprise in that segment. Kat, I'm curious, though. Mm-hmm. What did you think about Dakota Kai? I got the feeling, even before the match and their promo, I felt like she's going to end up on Shayna's team. Well, we'll have to get to that because you're foreshadowing, sir. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll address it in about two segments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kathy Kelly uh, is here. 
She asked Tommaso Ciampa if he's found his final partner for war games. He says, we'll know when the time comes. He says, tonight, he's happy to take out the OC. So, Angel Garza versus Tony Nese, number one contenders match. They trade strikes. We get a super kick by Garza, and the power bomb follows for two. Garza hits the super kick and follows with the wing clipper for the win. After the match, Leo Rush offers a handshake to Garza, but Garza slaps Leo Rush and walks away. Leo laughs it off, and the match has been set for next week. Now we get a backstage interview. Rhea Ripley says what Mia Yim did was brutality, and she picks Mia Yim as a fourth member of her War Games team. Mia says that they will collect bodies at War Games. Rhea looks back at a disappointed Dakota Kai and apologizes and just says she didn't make the cut. Dakota walks off the sad panda face and as Sean has alluded to, everything seems to be pointing at Dakota Kai moving in a new direction and thwarting my overall plan that she's going to be the one to finally wrestle away the NXT Women's Championship from Shayna Baszler and she's going to join Team MMA. Strictly rumor and innuendo at this point though. In a really fun match, Dominic Dijakovic, he faced off against Isaiah Swerve Scott, a.k.a. Killshot. Scott sets for the finish, but Dijakovic stops him. Scott hits a super kick, and they trade strikes until Feast Your Eyes by Dijakovic gets the win. I thought Swerve showed a lot more in this match than he's shown in any of the previous matches, maybe except for that uh, six-man tag against the Forgotten Sons when he was with uh, Brizango. But I like the direction that they're going with him. And it's very clear that he is getting the spot that was probably reserved for Jordan Miles coming off of the breakout tournament. Uh, there's still no resolution to that uh, situation. Uh, Jordan Miles has basically been like, hey, waiting for y'all to come talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he gave a deadline. and I don't think they came and talked to him, but I don't think he sent any earth shadowing tweets out uh, since a couple of weeks ago so that situation is still uh, fluid as they say next week let's go ahead and talk the people into watching NXT because if they're smart they're going to put this shit on the first match Io Shirai is going to face Mia Yim in a ladder match to see who has the advantage in the war games now it's main event time as Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and Tommaso Ciampa, they're facing the OC. NXT Arena about to erupt like a volcano! It's the lava flow! And it's Riddle putting the bro in the Good Brothers! Styled exploder on the current United States champion, and Riddle sails with that forearm. Wow! Another exploder on Anderson Proton. It's a one-man wrecking crew in the form of Matt Riddle. Unstoppable offense from the original bro. Riddle strikes it like lightning. Riddle showcasing what NXT is all about. Final flash knee lands. Oh, bro to sleep and AJ Styles shoulders down ever 
Fifth German suplex, and Luke Gallows saves face for the Monday Night Raw representatives. What is going to happen in Survivor Series? Magic Killer, no! Champa breaks it up. An incredible match. Hotly contested. Look at Lee. The strength of Keith Lee. Exactly what Riddle's Back to the knee. Two remain in the ring. Oh my god, Tommaso Ciampa looking for the fairy tale ending. What the hell? On the fifth anniversary of his NXT debut, Finn Balor making his presence known in a big way tonight. Meanwhile, the match Whoa. continues. Pele kicked by AJ Styles. Oh, but Balor. What the? 1916 on Riddle. Finn Balor, what? And a smile from AJ Styles. Before Shades of the Land of the Rising Sun are Styles and Balor on the same page. Styles looking to put away Team NXT, but not so fast. NXT champion Adam Cole, who's had the most impressive run of any superstar in the past. What the hell? He attacks Styles, but then delivers a last shot to Champa. Every man for himself, it appears on the road to Survivor Series weekend. So, Adam Kobebe, he was undoubtedly the star of WWE wrestling this week. <laughs> two main events against the two probably best in-ring wrestlers WWE has. And then, after getting brutally beat down by the OC, he's the one left standing tall at the end of a wild main event. Not, well, not a bad Michael's son, that's what he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> that was like I uh, put on uh, Twitter. I was like, man, it's such a heartwarming moment to see uh, Shawn Michaels watch his son debut on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, so I'll get your ratings for NXT. Did you see it, Miss Didi? Um, Same with AEW. Some yeah. in and out, some in between it, commercials. Yeah. yeah, very much like that. Yeah, see, that's the reason why I, I'm like I cannot do the flipping back and forth because it's like I want to get the full substance of one show. That way, it feels like I'm like I came in at the end of something, or I just missed the beginning of something else. It's like that's too discombobulated. Let me just stay on this one show and then go to the next show, and then I can have a equal comparison for both of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I really I flip because I hate commercials. So yeah, that's real. Ninety eight percent of Americans agree with you. So it's like I'm almost always gonna like flip, but it, it really doesn't work. It really, yeah, it's not helpful. The only thing that makes it better though is because now we have all this technology, so you could, in theory, simultaneously have them both up on two screens, oh. one on your TV, mm. one on your laptop or tablet, or whatever. But then it comes down to which one you're gonna listen to. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried that the first week of AEW and NXT, and it drove me insane. It's like I, I can't do this. Like I don't know which one to listen to. They both have something that I want to watch right now, and I don't want to look back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I have to watch one at a time. I can't flip back and forth or um, watch them both at the same time anymore. All right, Sean, I'll get your rating on NXT since you watched this in the middle of the night after coming back off the high of being <laughs> at AEW Dynamite. How'd you feel? Can I give it like a 4.7 for falling asleep during Tony Nese match? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but I woke back up on that smack, though. <laughs> And I was good for the rest of the night <laughs> until the show was over. Yeah, but I think that it was a great um, show overall um, from the beginning with the OC's involvement. Um, strong um, Dijakovic match with Swerve, uh, Pete Dunne, and Damian Priest in the last match. And uh, with Adam Cole um, shining again, um, I just think it was a great overall week for NXT and they wrapped it off with a great show Wednesday night this week they beat AEW by nose what yeah I think I think NXT won this week just by nose I thought last week NXT was a clear winner just based off the main event and then the turn of Finn but this week I thought it was much closer uh, just because of the AEW main event then the brawl afterwards I thought the Cody stuff was really good as well. But I thought the way this show started, that set you up, and then the way that the women are still like front and center, that's the one thing that AEW can't compete with right now with NXT is when NXT women's comes on, it is must-see. Everybody's watching it because they're like, you know, really major players. But when AEW's women come on, it's kind of like, eh, hit or miss. You know, if I'm into this person, I'll watch them. I think most people are feeling this. If I'm into this person, I'll watch them. But if I'm not, I'll turn over and see what they got on NXT. So I think that just based on the women's part of the show, that gave them a little bit of edge to get the nose on AEW Dynamite. But Wednesday nights is for pro wrestling. It's fantastic. It makes the it makes Friday and Monday well. That's Friday, more Monday, seem like such an alternate reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. And then you get to Wednesday and it's like, oh, this is so refreshing and so fun and so entertaining and so, you know, new and fresh and modern and everything. And then you come and then SmackDown is kind of like in between the two, mm -hmm. in between Raw and in between what happens on Wednesdays. So that was the week that was professional wrestling this particular week. There are going to be two big events in the United States for New Japan this weekend. Uh, one on the 9th, same day as uh, Full Gear out in San Jose. And then also on Monday night, they're going to be running a show out in L.A. Uh, so I think they're going to be going up against the, basically Monday Night Raw. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what that card looks like from New Japan, as I'll probably peep that out on Tuesday, because I doubt I'll be staying up three hours to watch that after watching three hours of Raw. But uh, it should be fun. Uh, New Japan is definitely trying to make a bigger 
uh, effort to uh, beef up their talent that they send over during these American shows. And so I expect them to have some really good matches. Uh, they, they do have the lineup for the San Jose card out, uh, but not the L.A. card yet. I think they're going to kind of make that up uh, right before the, the matches after these uh, the first night on Saturday. So use the hashtag cast a strong style for all of my people who watch New Japan on Saturday night. If you are going to or watch that whenever you uh, Sunday morning, whatever, it's going to be a busy weekend with AEW and New Japan both having pay-per-views so live tweet at your own desires uh again all elite cast for full gear and cast of strong cast of strong style for the uh san jose ships so at this point mr sean i'll turn it over to you for your shout outs and thank yous well uh definitely want to thank you both for having me on the podcast today uh been looking forward to come coming on the wrestlecast for a while uh so definitely appreciative of the opportunity and to be a part of the podcast family um and i'm just looking forward to more collaboration and getting great contact um out um for you guys with the hill heat podcast coming soon all right. And shout out to my co-host Dwayne, the Libra Icon. Uh, we'll be recording that first episode next Tuesday, um, dropping real soon. So please look out for it. Yep, yep. Can't forget the Libra Icon. You can catch him here, as well as on Hill Heat. Also, he's on Know the Score. He's my co-host there. As we talk sports, uh, not as often as we like, but there will be a new show coming uh, this week uh, before this weekend. So check that out. Miss Didi Jonet, I'm going to turn it over to you at this point in time for your shout outs and thank yous. Uh, shout out to you. Shout out to our guest, Sean. Shout out to Greg and the baby, Sam, Mel, because Mel always gets shout outs. Um, shout out to the ladies of Glow, Jade, among others, Tatiana, like always. If I don't name your name, that just means I've been drinking. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to everybody. I'd like to give a shout out to our guest, the Shaolin Shogun, Mr. Sean, host of the Hill Heat podcast. i also like to give a shout out to Miss Didi Jonet, our SmackDown Matters correspondent. Give a shout out to Greg and Sam as well. Shout out to Classic. Shout out to Mr. Anwar Starwin as we release a new episode of Cast a Strong Style. As we look back at Power Struggle and King of Pro Wrestling, and we look forward a little bit towards the uh, World Tag League and a little bit at the Wrestle Kingdom card. But in December, we'll uh, give a full rundown of that card and go in-depth on that great two days worth of action that they're going to have on January 4th and 5th, 2020. Um also give a shout out to everybody who participates in the live tweets and interacts with us and uh, retweets and follows the show and please sign up for the Patreon and listen to the podcast over there, the dark match, a lot of good content before and after content of what we talk about on the show, not just a dark match review, but also just us talking, whatever we talk about uh, before and after the show. So it was very entertaining. Um, so please Continue to support the podcast by becoming a patron over on patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. So for our special guests, the Shaolin Shogun, Sean, 
and our SmackDown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonet. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. This has been episode 262 of the WrestleCast. Please stay tuned for the parting promo. We've talked about this. I know you have an announcement that's weighing heavy on you right now. Please tell us all what that announcement is. I'm not surprised. We're not surprised the arrival of Chris Jericho with the inner circle. It's been blunt. Or to use a more apropos term, it's been strategic. They have taken a scalpel to the elite. But it's a short victory lap, man, and here is why. We were already looking for you. We looked within our own club at one point. We have searched all over the world for a card that we could put our names on and match up with Matt and Nick Jackson, with Kenny Omega, with Hangman Adam Page, with myself, and with my brother. and you found us November 9th this Saturday I find myself on the marquee with our AEW world champion Chris Jericho Tony and I have talked about it he knows what I'm about to announce but before I do humor me I'm going to go on a bit of a detour and rattle off a few names Boy Bill Watts, the American Dream, Dusty. All of them were titans in our business. They were the best bell to bell, and they were the best at the box office and for those who saw them with their own eyes those memories reverberate in their heart it is a good feeling it is positive but for the cold and sterile historians of our business there's an air of controversy that surrounds it it's from the simple fact that those men were also in addition to being competitors they were managers not not unlike myself and for the last year I've told everybody, every podcast, every radio, every correspondent, I've shouted it off the rooftops how proud I am of AEW, how proud I am of the all-inclusive nature, of the schedule, of the pay, of the fact that we will listen. This, this is Ellis Island for a professional wrestler. This is freedom. same criticism attached to my name for being management and being in a title match. I can't not hear it. And with that said, I am announcing that if I do not defeat...
if I do not defeat Chris Jericho at full gear, I will never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. Chris Jericho, that is a very big if. It's not an encumbrance. It's not an albatross that is going to sit on your chest and weigh you down. It is going to vanish. You've taken to calling my lot entitled millennials. You've called me an entitled millennial bitch. I neglected to read in your best-selling book, Alliance which you could get on Amazon for $3 or at any, or at any flea market. I neglected to read about the upbringing you had that was so hard. You talked about my silver spoon. Gosh, it must have been so difficult being the upper-class son of a famous hockey player. It is almost like we shared the exact same silver spoon, you stupid dick. dismissed every accomplishment I've made. You've talked about my father. Well, you call me an entitled millennial, I call you a carny succubus because the dirty secret about you, the dirty secret is you need this generation more than it needs you. And you've surrounded yourself with impressionable youth. This isn't about my dad. This isn't about the dead, it's about the living. It's about my mother. It's about my sister. It's about my wife. It's about the 14 years it took me to go from undesirable to un-goddamn-deniable. At full gear. At full gear, I beat you. I become the world champion, and you fall back into your circle, your inner circle, and you let them know the ground should be rumbling between their feet because the elite are coming. And when the elite and the inner circle square off, it'll be a match beyond, and we are going to eat you alive.